You may ask, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now, here's Aton Shander. There's a gigantic slate of action tonight on the hardwood. Big games tonight in basketball, and it's going to be underway in about 23 minutes. So let's jump in right now, of course, as you look at all of the activity and whatever you want to look specifically at, wherever you want to begin. I want you to just think deep right now. We're the most value off all the discussion throughout the week, leading up to Wednesday, where you've got now 50-plus college basketball games. This thing's huge. NBA, far from the all-star break by any means. We are close, but still far from it as far as action no longer providing any value. Nothing but scraping prop picks in an all-star game or a three-point contest. We're not there yet. We're not at the bottom of the barrel just quite yet. We still have a little bit left, and damn it, we're going to squeeze out as much as we possibly can. So there is a game in a matter of minutes that will kick things off because we've got nine hardwood plays. That's what we're going to dub it tonight. Hardwood nine, meaning it can be college or NBA. But... Seton Hall opening things up, 6.30 Eastern. A lot of people were thinking that if you were trying to predict any level of upset, and I heard Sean mention that it moved 5.5. I got it at 6. I still see it now at 6, so it dropped just a little bit, and you probably got the highest value right there, even at that half point. Seton Hall is a tough basketball team. And they continue to get overlooked in that discussion because I think it's easy with the history and I'm not even far as like going back back. I'm just saying like recent history up until they've taken over this Big East. But they have a tough basketball team that has no problem limiting teams defensively, no matter where they play. And that's something that we've seen even here taken on Villanova recently, a couple of days ago this week, where it was a tight game but defensive battle. And that's all the time with Seton Hall. Yet they still have, at some point, if it's Powell, they still have the ability to explode. They still have one or two guys that can get hot and can put up some points. And there lies the difficulty in stopping Seton Hall. And they moved up, they slowly creep up, Top 10 team, even on the back end of those rankings. But in 20 minutes, laying six at home against a Creighton team that, you know, I understand there's value in the underdog and you're always trying to mine the upset and see where, in fact, you can get it. Creighton doesn't come in here and knock off Seton Hall. At least, I don't think they keep it close enough to flirt with that spread. Even with Creighton is what I'm talking about. I don't feel comfortable or even good about flirting with that spread with Creighton. 
much better at taking the six points at home with Seton Hall, defensively speaking. Where all of the discussion about Final Four and all of the discussion about how good this team can be, they haven't fallen for that trap. Maybe they will. Maybe come tournament time they will, but they haven't at least recently. They've only had that one conference loss, and it's right off of that Villanova victory tonight. The momentum is there. This team is able to take on anybody, and it really doesn't matter where. You're looking at a team that has changed the fortunes also. Even to last year, two years ago, to how different the energy can be and the focus can be in a program in a matter of one season. It's a big game for Seton Hall tonight. I know it's 6.30 Eastern. It's an early start, but make no mistake, this thing's on Fox Sports. It's a national game, and Seton Hall's up for it. At some point, you're going to see this thing get ugly, and at some point, the clamps are just going to be put on Creighton. Powell's going to have his way. I think you probably, if you're willing to flirt with any individual numbers, but Miles Powell's going to have a big night tonight. Defensively, I think Creighton gets held. And therein lies the biggest issue for Creighton is they come off of that loss to Providence. And despite whatever you see here in a matchup standpoint, They have to get to 70. They have to get to 75 points. That's all it comes down to for Creighton. This is the best matchup for Seton Hall right now, is a team that if you can limit even to 68, I think of the difference, that line seems to be this magic number for Creighton. But it'll come down to that, where they're 17-1 and on the season when scoring 70 or more points. Think about that. They've lost five games. They're one in five when you keep them under 70. Is there a better matchup tonight than those analytics right there in favor of one team? Just watch it. Even if you don't want to take it right now. I'm telling you, I'm okay and you should be okay. We can walk together in this thing and take Seton Hall laying the six points at home. It will be a defensive struggle. I do not see Creighton getting to 70. If you feel any better about it, then fine. That's okay. Let's do something different. Let's look at it in similar fashion, except forget the points ahead of time. Don't worry about it. You know, if you really want to look at this thing and say, I'd rather wait until the in-game action begins, then I'm okay with that. I'll meet you halfway. I don't think that there's a problem at all in saying that, because if you want to wait and see, even if you want to get to the half, well, look, this is where we are now at the half, and they're at 40 points. It's only a matter of time. If they get 50 at the half, and you're thinking, well, you know that magic number, that that's cool. You can wait. And if you feel better about taking Creighton, whatever that number would be in-game, but you're looking at their point total, then that's a strategy I'm more than okay with. I'm going into it thinking there is a risk. I'll put it into a parlay. I'll put it into a round robin. I'll tease it, whatever I can do. But Seton Hall's winning this basketball game. And if all they need to do, and I know all can stretch at times, but in this case, if all I truly need from Creighton tonight 
is under 70 to get that Seton Hall victory and Seton Hall cover, I'm okay with that. You know, this is what happens. Get the wrong imaging up, and everything just gets derailed. Other things going on in the NBA with those 11 games. We'll get to that on the big board, which you just heard. My fault. But there's some other action in college that we'll lead with. That's the number one thing. It's a 6.30 start. You've got 15 minutes right now, depending on how that thing is moving. But top one you need to focus on right now before everything begins at 7 o'clock is Seton Hall minus 6 at home. No matter the sport... No matter the season, we've got you covered. From the data to the drama, it all factors into our top three bets of the night. We're going to go back and forth here. I'll sprinkle in college, NBA college, and even throw in a bonus NBA here. But it's all about the hardwood action. And 15 minutes from now, we'll look at any value you can find in the XFL, depending on what's out there. And there won't be much, so we'll look at it more from a DFS standpoint. I'll help you. As you heard me talking with Sean in the end of the Daily Ticket, the crossover here, if you will, I'll help you. I'll walk you through that. I feel much more confident walking you through a DFS build and a lineup for the XFL than I do Seton Hall minus six, and yet still I gave you that phrase that I'd help you pass through any nerves or trepidation you have about betting that game. We're doing it together. And speaking of which, we go from college to the NBA, Portland at Memphis, 235. If you can still get that total out there, initially at 234, it's been bet up. It's 220, it's sorry, it's 235 right now. Take the under. This is an underplay tonight. Guys are getting ready. People, the mentality is getting closer into the All-Star break. You know that you have a couple of days in front of you before things even begin. Defensively, we know that Memphis is playing well at home in that area. And Portland right now coming off a back-to-back. I don't know. At this point in the season, you do start to incorporate that as far as legs are concerned. And I'm not trusting those legs at this point. It's going to be a tight game. It's a four-point line. You can try and shock the world and take Portland at plus 142 on the money line, but the reality is is that these teams ain't scoring 236. They ain't getting up to 240 tonight. That's a big number for these two teams, especially a gassed Portland Trailblazers team. It's going to take a lot. Memphis is rolling at home. And they're still in that eight-seed playoff hunt, and there's a lot to play for between these two teams. And think about that. Even if you don't buy the back-to-back, okay, come on, look, we're still deep in the season, Shander, but these guys have been playing this, it's not anything new, and they have the break coming in front of them, so come on, man, give me something better than that. All right. These two teams are technically right now locked into a playoff battle. There's a third of the season left. Head-to-head matchup plays a big factor. This is not a playoff game, but there will be a playoff element to it tonight. And with that said, there will be a lot more, how would you say, cautious play 
there'd be a lot more focus on defense, even though guys are gassed. And just because you're gassed doesn't mean you can't play defense. It might mean that your shots are coming up short because your legs are out. Or you can't get that first step that you normally can on day one or two, game one or two of the road trip. In this case, both teams are going to play tight. Both teams are going to be out there trying not to take many risks because this is a big game when it's going to come down to it. And everybody's aware of it. Don't think that somebody's out there thinking, well, you know, if I get my 35 tonight, then we're good. No. Everybody on the floor, all of the key players, the coaches, everybody is aware that these two teams are going to be locked into that battle for the eight seed. And if you win tonight, you're going to be able to go back to it at the end of the year and point to something that may separate you from the other team. And going into the All-Star break, there will be an extra added effort, but it's not going to be to explode over the top and drop a buck fifty on this squad if it's Memphis or the other scenario here for Portland. What it will be is tighter play. Guys are going to take less risk. Guys are going to run that clock down a little bit more. You're going to see some shots, less fouls, early at least, lazy fouls until those legs go out. But at that point, damage on the under will already be done. 235 is ridiculous. Why? Ask yourself this. I just laid out a bunch of reasons. So there are five that I just gave you. One of them should stick. And still... If you don't get it, what you think that Damian Lillard and John Morant are going to trade fifties tonight? Is that it? Is is that what I'm missing? That there's going to be an individual battle here. Now Memphis has clearly gotten better psychologically with the departure of Andre Iguodala, but I'm not ready to prepare this a shootout to be tonight simply because guys feel better about a former teammate being gone. No. This game tonight is way more about coming off the back-to-back for Portland and trading their energy. It's going to be a big battle between Lillard and Morant. That's another thing. We always think that these big point guard battles are James Harden versus fill-in-the-blank and somebody's going to score 50. And Tonight, I don't think you're going to get that. I think the two cancel each other out defensively more so than not, and you're actually going to see tough guard play tonight where guys can put up in high 20s. Maybe somebody sneaks into the low 30s, but you want 236, 238. You want that over 235 to hit. One of these guys needs to be in the high 40s. One of these guys, specifically Lillard or Morant, needs to be 45-plus. Otherwise, this thing ain't happening. Carmelo Anthony's not taking over the game tonight. I'm sorry. So at 235, you might as well just sit pat at the under. Eight minutes away from tip. Creighton, Seton Hall still get in there. Six. It's not budging. The other one, Kansas, West Virginia, under 134 and a half. Another tight one. West Virginia just screams under. West Virginia is like the Sixers on the road. You just fade the under until you're told otherwise. And West Virginia will tell you. Don't worry. It's not like some secret decoder. You don't have to wait for the text. Hey, you know, I I didn't get the text yet. Did you get the text yet? No, I didn't didn't get it yet. Okay. okay. Hey, did you get the text yet? No, didn't get the text yet. Damn it. Anybody else get the West Virginia text? Just sitting here waiting. Just waiting. Is it safe to take the over yet? It's not safe yet. 
You just heard nobody got the text yet. I promise you, as soon as I get the text, I'll let you know. They haven't told us anything yet. Tonight, maybe. I doubt it. At 134.5, Kansas comes to town. Road dog Kansas, by the way, comes to town. And if you think there's value just alone with Kansas getting one and a half points, you're right. That thing flipped over. Earlier in the week, this was not the case. Shame on us for not bringing this up earlier, identifying that West Virginia was getting one and a half at home. Now they're laying the one and a half. So that thing flipped through the zero mark. 134 and a half. It's dipping. You've got... 38 minutes, but it's slowly slipping right now. What are the odds Kansas, West Virginia go for 200 combined points? Not likely. Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. Presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Matt Peralta's weekly spot back 7 o'clock tonight. Michael Kasky Blomain will join us at 7.30 on the Sixers, the drama, and how to look at this team, at least from a betting standpoint, if not from an understanding standpoint moving forward. He'll join us at 7.30. Big board at 6.45, XFL 6.30. Before that, more top bets. And again, I had nine hardwood plays, and we'll move through them top three and then sprinkle the rest throughout this hour. Live in-game look as soon as this thing tips. Kansas comes into this thing as top-ranked team right now in the country. And beyond Baylor, I don't know if anybody else would be as insulted as Kansas getting points on the road. West Virginia, a difficult place to play, but mainly because of that under, mainly because of just how few points they hold teams to in the entire game. 40 minutes of just basketball hell going through that thing, and a lot of times you see a struggle fest, especially at Morgantown. So I guess there's this belief... And I'm with it, mind you. I think Kansas wins this game, and I hope you do too, but I'm not willing to take them even with points. I think the smarter play here is just Kansas and West Virginia battling this out. Again, to beat West Virginia, you still need to be cold and calculated. You still need to take your time. That's another reason why the under hits a lot with West Virginia is teams that can beat them or a game plan that you can put together to beat West Virginia, you're still technically playing their tempo and their style. You're just doing it better, and if you're winning, you're speeding it up a little bit more. But it's not like you come in there and set the world on fire to put 105 points up against West Virginia and say, ah, well, you know, that's the way to beat them. It's difficult to do that against that team defensively with West Virginia. And when you're in Morgantown, it's even more of a challenge. Kansas is up for winning this basketball game tonight. West Virginia would not shock me by holding off the Jayhawks, but what would blow me away and floor me to the point of just staying away from West Virginia, and again, that would be the text. If, in fact, this game goes over, if we're sitting there and you're looking at a 140 total, a 146 total, something small, this would not be a blowout. We won't get killed by this thing by any means. And again, I'm really confident in the under 135. I see it at under 134.5. Not much has changed, but still, I'm confident where we stand here. But my point of it being... If this thing goes over, that's the text. That goes back to it being like, all right, now West Virginia has completely fooled us. 
And it is right at this point to overreact and say, I, I don't know what to do with this total moving forward. I don't know how to handle a West Virginia game, even if it is in Morgantown moving forward, because this is an easy under. Kansas should play into this. From a tempo standpoint, Kansas should play right into this. If they're going to beat West Virginia in a difficult area, they're not going to push this thing as fast as humanly possible. They are going to slow down. Again, we talked about the thing with Baltimore. We talked about the thing with Portland and Memphis. And you would think that this early, because we're not really into the playoff push yet, but this early as we turn to the final third of the season right before the break, that playoffs might not be on NBA players' minds. It is on these guys' minds for both the NBA game tonight where we gave the Blazers, Grizzlies, and this one here. Totals. Totals have an impact. Where your mind is, what you're playing for, how tight of an atmosphere it is. There's a reason why these two picks are connected because the theme is the same. Portland, like Kansas, comes into a road scenario where they can win this game. They can easily take the points, the money line, the benefit of positive points, and make people money and win this thing outright. But what looks to be a safer play in both regards, in both games, that's why it's the hardwood special here from the college to the pro game is tempo. Tempo combined with the level of importance, the heightened level of importance between Kansas and West Virginia. Kansas loses this game. They're in trouble from a seeding standpoint. West Virginia wins this game. They have vastly improved their seeding standpoint. Nobody's season's over here if you lose the game, but you're looking at seeding, and that's big. And again, Creighton looking to stay alive in a conversation for a proper seeding in the Big East tournament to maybe... Shock the world, go on a little run there, and improve a tournament seed. Seton Hall, rightfully so, should be eyeing a two-seed at this point. Seton Hall should be looking and thinking, you know, can I get up to being a top-eight team in the country? And the answer should be yes with the victory tonight against Creighton. Lastly, before we get out and look at the XFL coming up in five minutes... There's a line, and we'll talk about Villanova before that. There is a line, Georgia Tech, Louisville, it's way too short. Georgia Tech, not good enough to keep up with Louisville. Georgia Tech, getting five and a half to six at home, it's just not enough. There isn't going to be a backdoor cover here. Georgia Tech just, I I don't understand specifically why this thing would be this tight, other than, here we go, Upset City. I mean, outside of this just being the upset of the night and just, okay, let's call it right now. But I don't feel that. I don't, I really don't. Phil Louisville is well aware of the state and knows how to handle a, a visiting crowd. Pardon me, it was their visiting to that crowd. And recently, there haven't been many stumbles at all. You know, it's always uncomfortable taking on Virginia. I get that. But before that, it's been cruise control. They've been beating up bad teams. The only thing that you want to look at as far as why this line is so short is because Georgia Tech held them, if you will, 68-64 the first time they played. And that was at Louisville. 
So the assumption now is that, well, since this thing happened at Louisville and Georgia Tech played them to a four-point game, that, man, you know, now it's only a matter of time before Georgia Tech goes on a little run. Louisville's won 10 straight. And they've won a lot of these games in that 10 straight winning streak. They've won them comfortably. Now, Georgia Tech wasn't won comfortably, but at this point of the win streak, they're playing different basketball. And to be fair, that Georgia Tech game came the game after, directly after, they beat Duke at Duke. So if you want to really take that Georgia Tech, this is why this line doesn't make any sense. They're telling you that because Georgia Tech played them close the first time to a four-point game, this one at Georgia Tech is also going to be close. And it's also going to be one in which they're going to be able to take advantage of whatever they took advantage of against Louisville the last time. The problem is Louisville had a letdown. Louisville's this good that they had a letdown after beating Duke on the road at Cameron Indoor and still beats Georgia Tech at home. And I say still, not because Georgia Tech did anything, but because Louisville had a letdown. You have a humongous victory. You win at one of the most difficult places to play in all of college. You come back home and it's like, oh man, Georgia Tech, let's just get this thing over with. There's no letdown after you beat Virginia. It's just get me the hell out of here. In fact, they'll probably take out as much frustration as humanly possible about having to go through that game against Virginia now on Georgia Tech. Five and a half, six points? Yes. Okay. Sign me up. I'll take Louisville. What are the odds my Dallas squad comes back to life this week in the XFL? That Marquette Villanova coming up next. It's Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. I'm Aton Shander. Follow me on Twitter, at Shander. All right, we've got live in-game action as we speak. And Creighton up 7-4, 17-minute mark. So once things get serious, we'll let you know. We're not nearly at that point right now. Also tonight, as we'll have a couple of eyes on this thing here locally in Philadelphia, Villanova taking on Marquette. And these two teams, similar not necessarily in style so much as just what they've been able to do. Villanova has lost three straight. And while Marquette comes to town and it's a difficult matchup for Villanova, by all means, it's not easy to rebound and snap out uh, of any losing streak. And to see this Jay Wright team lose three straight is tough, by all means, here. But it's not going to be easy to cover this line. And that's the bigger thing for me. Is I-, I believe Villanova can win this basketball game. Not even will, but can win this basketball game. But at five and a half when I got it, and this was earlier today, so five hours earlier at one twenty. But now, if you look at this thing getting a little bit tighter, it's still at five and a half. The money line has moved a little bit, but five and a half remains on the spread. It's just too much for me. In fact, I like Marquette to keep things close. And Villanova has lost now home games to Seton Hall. These two teams playing tonight, Seton Hall and Creighton. That game against Butler, which was a buzzer beater, but still goes down as a loss. 
Three straight were difficult. They were tight at times, but still, three straight were difficult. And now you have Marquette coming to town where they're not necessarily put off by the venue or put off by how difficult it might be to win this basketball game on the main line. Marquette's familiar with this place. For Marquette is not coming in nervous or shook. And they're actually looking to extend a three-game win streak. There's a big difference between momentum right now. All to tell me that Marquette's coming in with a full head of steam here, and that line is just too much to take Villanova. If you feel comfortable taking Villanova minus 260, either solo or through some sort of parlay around Robin, I'm okay with that. Personally, I think that's probably a smart way to play it. I think Villanova's able to snap the streak, but even still, Marquette's pretty tough, man. Marquette comes in here, and they've got a lot of momentum, and their firepower has been clicking of as of recent. So this isn't somebody, a team that struggles by any means to get up in those 70s, 80s. And if you have a squad that comes in tonight, you're at home against Villanova, and you're able to get 80 points, that's going to be a tough team to beat for Villanova. It's going to be tough for them to keep up. Remember, that game that they played the first time, while they won, it was lower scoring. Recently, while Marquette has been up and down a little defensively, in that three-game win streak, they've put up points. That's the one thing that's been consistent. At times, they've looked a little bit shaky defensively, but they have put up points on offense, and it doesn't matter, as we've seen, this three-game win streak also had that win at Xavier to kick things off. And even still, beyond that three-game win streak, you have that one loss at Butler, which was avenged recently, mind you, their most recent game, winning at home against Butler. And before that, three games against bad teams that they won. Marquette comes in as a very difficult opponent, and it's not one that I'm going to trust Villanova to handle by more than six. I'll sit there and take Marquette five and a half and be okay with that. Especially because the only other play would truly be what? Taking the money line. If you honestly believe that Marquette has the momentum, that Marquette comes in like a pinball, springing into action here, and can put Villanova on their heels, then that's the play, is them on the money line, is Marquette on the money line. But I'm not there. I I would rather just sit and take the points in a cautious mode, take the juice at minus 110, but get Marquette at plus 5.5. NBA tonight, we mentioned we'll get into the big board coming up. There are four games to look at specifically that we have not mentioned and we'll give you four money line plays that you can just round robin or parlay, even if you will. If you feel so bold, you can parlay. XFL schedule, it's tough. You really have to strain right now to get some numbers out here. But FanDuel, I'm sitting here looking at the app. FanDuel has the totals. And see what's happened slowly. They're starting to pick up. I told you, initially we found that loophole. They didn't really know what they were doing. But they're starting to pick up right now on the low-scoring affair. And the one that I have my eye on first and foremost is the Dallas-LA game, especially because LA comes off after firing Pepper Johnson one game in. P.J. Walker lit their ass up 
and they had to fire their defensive coordinator and Pepper Johnson. Can you imagine that? Here's Pepper Johnson. All Pepper Johnson's done has been an all-pro, win a Super Bowl in the NFL, and has been coaching under Bill Belichick as of recent for a couple of years now. So he steps into the XFL. His team goes up against P.J. Walker, and the former Temple grad does everything that he wants, those four TDs, and kicks the crap out of the L.A., what are they, Renegades? No, that's the Dallas Renegades. Knocks out the L.A. Wildcats 37-17. And Winston Moss, the head coach of L.A., turns around and says, this is it, we can't keep doing this. Keep doing what? You can't use that phrase if it's only happened one time. You can't say something like, we can't keep doing this, implying that it's repeat behavior when it's only happened one time, and they fired Pepper Johnson after one game. Who knows? Maybe he parted ways, or he had enough, and I don't know what the scenario is, but he's out. And you have this team in shambles trying to prepare for a game against Dallas. Landry Jones remains a major question mark. And that's where you can truly look at these fantasy elements and jump into a league now and try to win as much as you can off of the four games this weekend in head-to-heads. And and these tournaments provide value. And we have to figure out how much you can base this on Landry Jones being back versus still out. That's the stack. Houston takes on St. Louis. St. Louis is bad. They won 15-9 to against Dallas because Dallas was starting their third-string quarterback. Landry Jones still remains questionable. And while he was the third-stringer against St. Louis, this time around against L.A., we just we don't know yet. If, in fact, Landry Jones is out there starting and Landry Jones is healthy, that is the play. In fact, if you're going to stack, and I'll do it here with you, so you and I can walk through this. We'll get to the big board coming up in 10 minutes before all the 7 o'clock, 7.30 early action. One final look, one final way. Hopefully you have your phone, your app out, and you can follow along and fire as we tell you. But we're going to give you four juicy money line plays in the NBA tonight. Stack Landry Jones. Let's start there. It's an easy setup. Right, just DraftKings, XFL, and you run it just like any of your NFL DFS leagues or tournaments that you're playing. Head to head, 50-50s, whatever you're doing, whatever strategy you normally apply, this is what you do. If you're new to this and maybe you're interested in playing fantasy XFL just because you know a couple of guys, hey, I know that PJ Walker guy, or I remember that pump free dude, and you're interested in doing this, then I'll walk you through this right here. We've taken Landry Jones as the quarterback to stack Dallas and L.A. L.A., as we saw last week, didn't have much. Now, they put up 17 points, which is like right there in the middle as far as the points per game scored after one. But let's stay with this Dallas stack. So we know now, after Landry Jones, that Baddett's going to come out there. Jeff Baddett, right? Now, he only caught, this is going to be a tough way to kind of get past what you saw last week, is because everybody on Dallas stunk because the quarterback wasn't great. But he's their top receiver, at least from a talent standpoint. So if Jones is healthy, we're going to stack him. And we're also going to take the other guy from Dallas, 
and make sure that we have as much ground cover as possible. So you've got two guys in Nagel and Ferguson. Both right there at 5,200 with Nagel and 5,000 with Ferguson. You're going to be able to get some value with the non-chalk player. I don't know at the moment who's going to be chalk, but Nagel had the game. Nagel was the only guy who had a game, and he was able to establish some sort of connection with that third stringer. Ferguson, however, is expected to have more of a burner mentality at least, but he had a thigh injury last week, limited a little bit. I'm going to go with Nagel simply because he's healthy. Now, technically, we can flex Ferguson as well. And again, this is where I think the value comes in, where if you're going to flex, and if you're going to stack, then I would move Ferguson. So now I have Jones and his top three wide receivers. Get back to the running back. We do that at the end. The best wide receiver that I can run with right now is this kid Spruce, Nelson Spruce, who had himself a game, 11 of 15 for 103 in their 37-17 loss. He already provided that stack element because when you're running heavy on one team, you're choosing that game and you need one guy on the other side who's going to have a big game when they're down. 99% of the time, that guy who's having a big game when their team is down is a wide receiver. Well, Nelson Spruce has already lived that life. So we'll just take a defense, and when I stack, I always take a defense that's not in one of those two because it defeats the purpose. So let's look real quick. Who had the worst day? Tampa Bay scored three points last week. And Tampa Bay is at Seattle. Now, Seattle is expected to be bad. They gave up 31 to D.C., but at least they put up 19. I'll reluctantly now take Seattle, even though Tampa costs more money. Seattle is the least at 3,000. You're splitting hairs. So we have a ton of money to spend. If you're following along with me and building this DFS stack, you've got 8,200 left, and that will afford any running back on the board. Which team is going to be up by the most and running it out? Which team can you identify based off last week, the amount of points they scored, is going to be in a comfortable situation where they can run things out? New York or Houston? Those are my two favorites right now. New York was up big. They held Tampa. They were able to make some defensive plays, and you saw them start to run things out. The other team would be Houston, and I know everybody's high up on P.J. Walker, but even if Walker has himself a game, you're going to need James Butler, the Houston Roughnecks running back, to finish things and run out the clock and make sure that... Their opponent, in this case, the visiting Seattle Battlehawks, don't get an opportunity to get that ball back. You could look at Butler, I think, actually as a smart play here, and you still have about 1,900 left. That's just how things are. I'll go with the stack. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to take one guy out, we would take Ferguson out. And at 6,900, the best available wide receiver right now would be somebody on L.A., to play that stack, or you can identify the highest scoring team last year, last week, like in Houston, and pluck somebody on Houston. 
And the person, the top player, honestly, on Houston is their running back, their backup running back, and I'm not going there. Well, that can't be it. I mean, how do they not have any wide receivers in the 6,900 level? All their guys are topped out. All their guys are 95, 89, and 84. Wow. Well, St. Louis is not going to be involved in any type of shootout, I can tell you that. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to run this thing out right now, hit the big board coming up in five, and just roll with another guy in L.A., and that's Smallwood. Boom, lineups in. Hopefully you followed along. That's how easy it is to win some money, DFS, XFL style. Update you on Hall Creighton, big board. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. It's time to run through the nightly action. All things college to the pros to give you the most updated odds on games right before they start. From the biggest stars to the smallest schools, nothing escapes the big board. Oh, let's look right now as Seton Hall and Creighton are battling at our 10-minute mark. 1918, Creighton holds the lead here. No worries, no concerns at the six points that we're laying with Seton Hall. Early, early right now as that three goes down. It's music to our ears. 21-19, Seton Hall. Butler-Xavier underway. That's a 15-11 game. Same 10-minute mark they're in in the first half. Three minutes away, West Virginia, Kansas told you, take that under, 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 134.5. Now we had it at 135. Bama, Auburn also about to tip. A little bit later, an hour from now, Louisville, Georgia Tech, six points. That's all Louisville's laying. What are you waiting on? Seriously. Marquette, Nova, just too much for me for Villanova to be laying at home. Five and a half against Marquette has won three straight. Nova has lost three straight. (sighs) Add it all up. Take Nova. No, actually, I will not. I'll take Marquette plus five and a half. Houston, South Florida, they round out the ranked action tonight. You might want to take Vermont minus 14 and a half. What do I know? Blazers, Grizzlies under 235. That's our play of the night of the NBA. You've got some action in the late game, but before we get to the late stuff, Hawks, Cavs about to tip. Atlanta minus two and a half. Pistons magic. Orlando minus six and a half. Heard Sean mention this. Detroit's averaging 89 since Andre Drummond is gone. Wow. Wizards, Knicks, no, no, no. Knicks, a three-point home favorite, but please stay the hell away from that game. Pacers are a one-point home favorite. Bucks, just take the Bucks on the money line. You want to take Milwaukee plus one, okay, but just just take Milwaukee on the money line to win that basketball game, and then boom, you're fine. Toronto minus four. Just take Toronto on the money line. You know they're going to beat Brooklyn. They Last time they beat Brooklyn without Kyrie, no problem. When Kyrie was in there, they hammered the Nets, too. You know they're going to win this basketball game. They've won, what, 38 in a row? Just take Toronto on the money line. Hell, take Milwaukee and Toronto on the money line. Hornets, Wolves, eight and a half point line. Mm. Now this is interesting. Luka Doncic returns. We don't know to what extent, and we don't really know if Luka is going to play a ton. However, Dallas is laying eight and a half against Sacramento, who's not a good basketball team by any means. But Dallas has a history of playing down to teams like Sacramento at home, meaning in Dallas. That's with a healthy Luka. 
And I just don't know how much you're going to get Luka Doncic tonight. You might get 20, 22 minutes. That might not be enough to hold off Sacramento to 9, 10 points, as crazy as that sounds, simply because they played down a big run in the second quarter, and now all of a sudden Dallas has to crawl back. It goes back and forth, four to six points. Eight and a half is a lot. Not to say I'd take Sacramento. I'd just say that number, to me, stay away. Miami, minus four and a half right now. Ooh, in Utah, just take the Jazz. The Jazz aren't losing this basketball game, and they will frustrate the hell out of you on a line like that. You'll see them be down by six. You'll see them be down by eight. You'll see them just underachieve. I've watched the Jazz. I don't know what it is, but just coincidentally, I've been on over the weekend for my national shows, both Friday night and Saturday evening, during jazz games, a lot of jazz games, and it just seems to be they're at home when I'm on more often than not, and at home is when they underachieve, and it's crazy to watch this, because I brought this up where you've got these jazz fans just on their seats, sitting on their hands, doing absolutely nothing silent, while their team is out there embarrassing themselves and the fans. They're going to win the game tonight. I just wouldn't take them. I wouldn't take them minus four and a half. I wouldn't take them at all. On the line. If you can look at a couple of games and work them in a money line parlay, as we just gave you three right now, the fourth would be the Nuggets. Lakers now at three, laying three on the road. This is a game that is going to be tough for L.A. to win. It's going to be on the road in an uncomfortable environment, and it just has to do with ending this stretch right before the All-Star game, in a place where you have to adjust to altitude, it's not home. If this game were in L.A. and the Lakers were laying six or so, I'd be more than willing to stake my claim to the L.A. Lakers. But the problem I have is twofold. One, the mentality has already seeped in that these guys, look, they're veterans. They know the importance of a stretch like this of rest. And you're going in, the second part is, you're going into, it doesn't even have to be like a tough home court advantage as far as players or fans or anything like that. It's just a difficult place to adjust to, even in from L.A. Even from L.A. to Denver, it's uncomfortable. And at this point of the season, this specific night, this one game, yes, I'm willing to say it's going to play an impact. And I would not take the points. I don't need to take the points. I can take Denver on the money line. It's tight, and you're not going to get it by much. They're pushing you, depending on where you look right now and get the value. They are essentially pushing you to take Denver and the points. So if you look at the four games we gave you, all on the money line, all makes sense. Just connect them. It's going to take a lot for four to hit. Like it would for anything that you would combine in a teaser, round robin, or simply in that parlay. But there is value there, specifically with Denver holding them off. You get them at plus 124 right now on the money line. That's the play. It hasn't moved much. LA's only minus 144. The line goes back and forth to minus 2.5 to 3. Matt Peralt, Sports Talk Matt on Twitter. Pushing the odds on SB Nation Radio will join us next. It's What Are the Odds right here, Fox Sports Radio, presented by Cure Auto Insurance.
Dr. Glatt, regrow your hairline and a uh, lot because there's value everywhere. And Matt Peralt does his best to mine the value each and every day, 1 to 4 Eastern on SB Nation Radio, pushing the odds is the program. You can follow Matt at Sports Talk Matt, and he joins us on the Dr. Glatt, regrow your hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. And I can't do anything. You've completely distracted and derailed me now. To where I feel like I'm doing, see, it's a shame because I, I think at some point, in case my boss, who you've been on with, of course, Sean Brace, is out there listening and thinking for the next 15 minutes if we have a chat about something where there's no odds whatsoever. So I'll create odds in my head. Here's the thing, all right? So what are the odds that if Matt Peralt were in the position that this woman is in, in this video that the Pushing the Odds account tagged me in, where she's sitting in the second-to-last row of the flight. The guy sitting behind her is in the back row, and anybody who's flown knows that that seat doesn't go back. And she has her seat reclined, and he is essentially punching it as her seat is back. Now, what are the odds Matt Peralt, if faced in the same situation, would stand up and smack that guy across his face on a red eye from Vegas to L.A.? It really depends upon the situation, right? And I think because some people, if you look at that thread, and I think it's the Fox TV station in D.C. was the one that tweeted it out. He's using it like a speed bag, so he's doing it to annoy her. So it's not like winding up and punching full speed. But if like if this is where a simple question that the woman could have stated to the guy saying, "Hey, I'm going to recline. Is that okay?" Like the second time you punch my seat, I'm going to turn around and go, "What's your problem?" Like the first time, I might say, "Oh, that's just kind of like a you're just doing that for whatever was a mistake." Second time, I'm going to say, "What's going on?" Now, if I have my kid with me, different story. I may be a little bit more polite and a little bit more understanding and say, hey, can we figure this out? If it's just me, I'm going to give the guy one other chance, and then there's going to be real conversations to be had <laughs> about doing it. And I will stand up and be like, this is ridiculous. But she also should ask the guy, hey, you know, do you mind if I come back? Do you mind if I recline? Because there's nothing worse than when someone drops their seat down on your knees, like in the middle of a flight, and they just come screaming backwards, and they crush your legs. And there's, like, no regard for your own safety and no regard for your own feelings or your knees. So there's a lot of wrong going on in that in that video, and that's why I think people are so polarized in talking about it. Okay, so this is where I, I, I was with you up until the last part. I don't think that the woman is doing anything wrong. Look, I get it. Sometimes you're SOL, it's a full flight, and you happen to have that back seat, and you're screwed. But... That's the reality of it, and you can't expect, like, when does it stop? It's a domino effect, right? Oh, well, the person right. in front of you can't lean back. Well, then the person in front of them can't lean back. The flight is designed, and I know it sucks because we're stuck in there like cattle, but the flight is designed for 99% of the seats to go back. You just happen to be in the 1%, and I feel like it's unfair for that person to take out his reality on somebody else where all that woman did was sit down and take advantage of the fact that she could lean back like 99% of the rest of the plane. Uh, no, I, I mean, again, it's a simple thing of like, if he said, no, you can't, then it's like, well, I have to, sorry. 
But it's just it could have been avoided with a simple conversation, like most things in life, right? The older I get, the more that things can be solved by a simple communicative, you know, sentence, just by saying, hey, I'm going to come back and recline now. I need you for my whatever, safety, my own sanity. I had a tough day. I got to sleep. I'm sorry. I'm only inconveniencing you, but I'm doing it anyway. Just a way of like, we don't know what she said to him. And if she just came flying backwards and didn't say anything in the process of doing it, and thus the guy is going to bother her for the entire flight and not let her sleep by punching her seat repeatedly over and over and over again. Wait There's a, a second. There's a lot of wrong going on there, like I said. So do you have to ask the person behind you when you recline on an air? airplane i don't I think you do to. i tend to yeah i if well what if they flight, say no yeah, what if they I look tend. at you and say no you can't lean back then i say okay well i'm going to anyway so but why I, even I, ask I, just to be polite courteous <laughs> i mean the, the, it's also you're just be you're passing them the, the common courtesy of informing them that hey if, if nothing less it's a warning that i'm coming back again like i said the worst thing is when someone is not prepared for you to drop your head in their lap and this gigantic chair comes back and smacks him in the kneecaps. Like, that is, I think, the worst of all, because the person's not ready for it. But if you inform the person, like, hey, do you mind? If they say, yeah, I kind of do mind, and you say, well, I've had a rough day, I'm going to do it anyway, I'm sorry. That's just kind of like common courtesy in in a communication that I have a right to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm just giving you a heads up that I'm going to do it. Yeah, I just think that if you are stuck in that last seat, you just have to wear it. It doesn't matter oh, if it's a doubt. right. Look, I've lived all over the country. Like, there's like Boston me, and then there's like Alabama, Texas, Nevada me, and so like yeah, Boston this isn't Boston say, you. Yeah, Boston me is like SOL. I'm coming back, big guy. Deal with it. Right, but like that's what I, I thought I'd get from you tonight. Yeah, but but like I've gotten older. Like I'm forty two, forty, must be forty three. No, in, in April. So, so like, and I've lived in other places now. So like, I've softened my my East Coast. <laughs> I know you. I'm taking everything from me because I belong, because I'm me, in my dominions, bigger than better than anybody else. I've just become more of a softer adult as I've lived in other parts of the country. Trust me, I get it. I've been outside of the city, like the actual city of Philadelphia and the burbs now for like three years, and I feel like I've moved away from Philadelphia as a whole and closer to that. And it has nothing to do with getting older. I think it's just the proximity for me of being in that just mentality (laughs) constantly, nonstop. I've heard you talk about Creighton and another team, and I'll just let you lead into that. Did, Did Creighton make the cut tonight in the teaser? Oh, so I do a T-Mac burger. Yeah, T-Mac teaser, I call it. It's UNLV in Creighton. So it's basically just my friends who are head coaches in college basketball. So I just, whenever they're, whenever they're getting points, but UNLV is favored tonight at home. Oh, okay. So they have to be, they have to be getting points in order for it to work. Yeah, I got to tease it up. They got to be dogs. So both teams have to be underdogs. So Creighton was a six point dog tonight on the road at Seton Hall. And then later tonight, I'm going to the game. UNLV will host Nevada Reno. They call it UNR here in, in, in Nevada because they don't like Reno. But you know, the real Nevada, when you think of Nevada, it's the team in Reno. And they're coming down here. So, But shockingly enough, Reno won the first matchup by like 15. And I couldn't believe that UNLV was favored tonight. So I couldn't do the T-Mac teaser tonight because, unfortunately, I, I don't tease through zero. So I couldn't do it. All right, so if, in fact, UNLV, let's just say hypothetically, we don't need to look at that game because they're the favorite. But I, I mean, I would play the – I mean, if you're going to play that game, play the under. Okay, I mean, that's the fair. Under, I think, is, 
Yeah. I was more sure. concerned about how you saw this game that's going on right now. Uh, we opened up the show and Seton Hall, because I only had about 25 minutes to talk before it tipped. So I took Seton Hall with the points. I knew it was a little bit of a risk, but defensively they've been stellar, and I had no problem keeping. That was really the big thing, was could yeah. could they keep their opponent under 70 points, and I took, I rolled the dice to say yes, while still they're down, uh, looks like, in fact, that 70 might hit. Well, it's interesting because Creighton just shot 60% in St. John's in their last game at home, and at Chai Center, they're 13-1, and, and and 60% is the, is the best shooting mark since the Jays joined in the Big East from a couple of years ago, like, what, seven years ago, so... It's a pretty impressive game that they had, and this is the key to this team because they don't have much size on the interior. They're just a bunch of shooters on the outside, and they got a couple of really good, talented guards. So, but the problem is, is that the Jays always tend to lose the best player, and Powell can go off tonight. So if Miles Powell has a traditional 30-point game tonight, Seton Hall is going to win. The question is, can the Jays keep it, keep it within six? And so, I mean, I stayed away from the side because I thought the point, I think it's a pretty good point spread. I think it's actually pretty close to what it'll wind up being. But if the Jays shoot the way that they shot against St. John's, they could beat literally anybody in the country. So that's the, that was the one danger going into this for, for Seton Hall because if the Jays do win this on the road, they'll have road wins over Nova and Seton Hall. Yeah. That will punch their ticket into the dance. Matt Peralt joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Hall's on the line now, trailing by three, and it's been a slow start for Powell, and that's been the frustrating point here. And the other thing is just if you can keep this thing low, and we're looking a little bit at the total. So before we go to a big moment over the weekend that I, I don't know how much you caught. I'm sure you had your eye on it, especially as far as it being so brand new all over the country. Anything from college jump out at you tonight that you guys talked about on the show that maybe you got a little tidbit or you got a little bit of a break on that you'd feel comfortable sharing with my audience? Yeah, no, I mean, just the Seton Hall Creighton game, and the, and then I, I think you want to be Reno. I think that game on the under, and then I I, I thought the, the biggest game of the night tonight is uh, is West Virginia Kansas. We went under one thirty five in that game. Yeah, I mean, just because of the way that West Virginia plays, and it, Kansas you know, too, I think on the road is, is going to play this like a you know a tight game, almost like a play if off type atmosphere, if you will. Yeah, so it's tough. It's also tough because that game for Kansas West Virginia is on, is on ESPN Plus. You can believe that. So the Big East is on Fox Sports One National, and that and the biggest game of the night is on a streaming service, <laughs> which is really really weird. But bad move by the Big East well, when it comes to their TV. Let me ask you this real quick: How much of that? Yeah. Because this is up your alley how much of that is by design to push to put a top quality product on this new streaming service that clearly disney wants to push out there so the more exclusive content you can provide even if it's on one night like this a big game yeah i don't know i think it's a mistake i mean any any time you put a game like this on a streaming service i mean most people i saw on twitter were like where's the game I can't yeah i don't have espn like, plus yeah, I mean, I do, but it's just it's one of those situations where you. I don't think you ever want to bury a top five team like that. If you have access to put their game on TV, you want on the biggest platform possible. I just think ESPN got caught tonight and had to stick the game somewhere. And then, oh well, it doesn't hurt to be. I think it helps ESPN Plus subscriptions to go ahead and have it on there, just to go put it on a on a streaming service. But I just think it's a bad look for the Big Twelve. It's just you know they've had some tough runs when it comes to their their TV contracts over the last couple of years, and that's kind of another one. 
biggest question in the NBA tonight has to be does Toronto win their 16th straight? And we thought that they did also like Milwaukee on the money line as far as getting points and, and yeah. even getting value in Indiana. So, and, and then the last one that, that I threw out earlier was Portland and Memphis in a playoff-like game heading into this All-Star break in that battle of the eight seed Portland coming off a of back-to-back. So we like the under and that is anything that I'm sure, you know, looking at it across the board, was there anything that jumped out in the NBA for you tonight? Yeah, Milwaukee six and zero without Giannis and only you know catching a great stat. Was a, yeah, was a play I liked a lot. So that that's a, that's a, that's a, that was a play I made tonight with Milwaukee. Um, and then I'm I'm trying to remember. I think that was the only game I really liked. In, in, in well, what I about played. Toronto in Brooklyn? Right, they've they're three and zero against Brooklyn, and even when Kyrie played, they hammered them. This is not a team that has been struggling or even slipped a little bit through this win streak, and Brooklyn is just awful at this moment. Yeah, I, you know what, what? What's that make of that team? Because it's like this whole year after Durant got hurt and went there, it was like no one cares about this this entire season in Brooklyn. They know what's coming, so it's like just get through this year and get to Kevin Durant playing. And then Kyrie's been on and off and missing a bunch of games. And you know where is he mentally after the passing of Kobe and everything else? So I I, I can never back Brooklyn. I don't care where they are, who they're playing, upstate. I don't think I've played a single game involving Brooklyn this year. So I, I just I don't mind betting against them, but I can never bet with them fair enough seton hall trails by a bucket right now they're 130 in game on the money line here in pa any interest there hmm. yeah i probably would take it creighton kind of fell apart in the second half um i'm trying to think a couple of games ago i can't remember which game it was where they got beat pretty badly they look it, it all comes down to the three-point shot with that team you know they're one of the fastest playing teams in the nation they really look to run if they turn the ball over that's when they really struggle but you know the defensively for, for for Creighton I mean again this is a game where they need it Seton Hall doesn't really need it this game Creighton needs if they get it I mean their loss to San Diego State wasn't great they don't have a great non-conference win to hang their hat on their best win this year is over Nova on the road so if they get wins over Nova and Seton Hall I think that's what they're going to look to hang their hat on so it's one of those games where I think one team's got more to play for than the other so it's a little bit dangerous but I do think Seton Hall would come back and win that game I've saved this for the end because I'm just I'm in love with it, and I know that I've already separated. It's not the NFL. I get it's not the NFL. I'm not expecting NFL quality play. You're in love with the XFL. You're in love with it from a betting standpoint, and here's why. Okay, I don't know if you caught this, but and I documented it. I have it up on my weekly column here on Philly Voice. I actually documented this thing over the weekend because I couldn't believe it. Three of the four games. Now you know, three of four went under. And yep. from a total standpoint, heading into the game, the under goes. But it was all about the in-game action. So I'm sitting there. I was live on our network, SB Nation Radio, on Saturday watching that game. And it was 26-17 to 17 at the end of three. I go on FanDuel here locally in PA. And I can tell you this because I'm looking live at the bet slip as I have it here. It was 63 and a half. 63 and a half that the total so for some wow. reason it, that's my point is that they had no idea what they were doing so Matt will move into the next game the two games on Sunday both games closed at 51 apiece for the total because I took the over on both of them expecting fireworks both first first quarters first game very low scoring second game was scoreless right after one both totals the first game, the first total only dropped six. The second total only dropped by eight. 
The under, under, under. It was an in-game betting dream for the totals, mainly because nobody really understood what was going to happen from an offensive standpoint. I can't promise you that's going to happen with the lines, with the money line, with individual props, but it seems like the books have no idea how to handle the in-game totals. Well, that's why the books in Vegas have taken a totally different approach than the books in Jersey and in Pennsylvania. Like, for instance, take CG Sportsbooks. They only put up sides. They do not put up totals. There are books. The, the totals at the Westgate, I believe, went up Friday night late, and they were, there were circle games, meaning they were taking very low limits on, on the sides and, and the totals, totals, rather. I mean, look, the AAF was notorious for the under, so that's why I was sort of fooling around with, on Twitter asking my audience, saying, look, in the AAF, unders hit about 65%. It was a cash-making cow. It was phenomenal. I said, okay, so are the, will the XFL look the same way? And everybody said, well, the rules are so designed for scoring. Right. No, play the over. And so I think the books got caught up in that same philosophy of like, well, three, one, three, or five points, and, well, more possessions, and the under two minutes, they want scoring at the end of under two minutes when they stop the clock and reset the ball, you know, reset the, the ball before you actually start the clock. So there's going to be tons of scoring. The problem is the quarterback play sucks. So you can't score, the quarterback sucks. So the under is still going to be the play because you have Aaron Murray, who is horrid, playing quarterback in this league. So I mean, maybe later in the year this will be a high-scoring league, but not right away. It's not going to be high-scoring. I mean, it's going to be, you know, thirty-one twenty-four in most most games. Yes, but the value is now in whether or not the books catch up to that. And I'll give you well, an example because they'll have stats and they'll have ability to look at yeah, different but when? tendencies. But but uh, they, this, this my, week, this week you think it happens this yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll be on if if they took a bath. Now you may have won a lot, but they might not take. They might not have taken a bath. That's my point. Is I, I don't think Everybody, a lot of people caught up on this, so that's why I don't think that Vegas might be as motivated to change it. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll quote CG. CG told me that the handle for the entire XFL weekend was the same size as a single WNBA game. So, give you an idea of what they were taking okay. for action. Okay, basically nothing. <laughs> so, like in Vegas, without a, without a team here, nobody really cares. So on the East Coast, we, we kind of felt like both Atlantic City, both in Jersey, both in Philadelphia, both in, in Pittsburgh, we, we felt like there's more of a football audience there. Absolutely. I guess you'd say. Yeah. And so they were more inclined to watch and more inclined to bet. And there's teams in D.C., you know, there's teams on the East Coast. So there may, may have been more interest and more of a handle. And like you mentioned, both of these books are, had their, uh, their totals and their point spreads up early. So fans could look at it and shop around and try to find the best line to go ahead and play. But, I mean, if they lost money, and I'm, I don't know if they did or didn't, but if they did, they will rectify, they will correct, and they will have themselves ready to go for this coming weekend. Yeah, honestly, man, I, I, without having it in front of me, I, I can't see how they really lost with three of the four going under and so right. much of the public leading up to those games betting over. And again, I don't know how many people tried to salvage or hedge in-game looking at unders, but I just I knew it after one quarter in both of these games on Sunday and then Saturday to see through that. It's crazy, man. So are you looking ahead? Are you going to be betting? Last one for you, brother. Are you going to be betting this yeah. weekend on the XFL? Probably not. I mean, I, I did for fun. I did a $10 four-team teaser that came – oh, no, wait. Uh, was it a teaser? Yeah, it was a four-team teaser that I did – no, teasing everything. It all came down to Dallas. I need I need Dallas to win by three, and they lost by ten outright. So I, I won the first three legs, and then I lost the last game of the, of the weekend. Oh. The only game I actually like watched start to finish was Dallas State Lewis, 
and I watched a little bit of each one at times popping popping in and out. I mean, it's it's interesting. I I feel like the sports gambling conversations are forced, and I, I wish they didn't do the bug that has the line in the total. Oh, it's the awful! Game. It's awful because what it does is it's false information. Correct. Because that number is no longer available. So it's like, why do you have it on there? Makes like, no sense. Have a live line. Yep. Like, have a live number. Like, what's the real number as the game kicks off? What is it? It was nine and a half, but now it's five. Like, don't leave that number up static because it's, it's, it's nobody can play that number. So I feel like it's not educating the the people who don't know what's going on. I really feel like that's doing them a disservice because ultimately, in game wagering is what we're all going to be doing the most anyway. So that's my only takeaway: that the you know people talking about using terminology and lingo that they don't know, you're, they're clearly not comfortable saying, like, you know, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Don't do it halfway. I agree. and That's a great way to end. And I hammered that thing when it first came out last week and this whole story about how they're going to have in-game or live on-screen stuff. And then you start to look at it a little deeper, and, and you laid it out perfectly. And we'll leave it there because I, I do believe that of all the things they've gotten right just the optics of the gambling discussion and the presentation of it. You're, it forced is a perfect way to put it, Matt. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I'll get talk to him. You got it. Sports Talk Matt on Twitter. Matt Peralt. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Michael Kasky below me covers the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll chat with him coming up in a couple of minutes. We also have at the half now, and I jumped on him. Oof. Reluctantly, but I did. I agree with Matt Peralt. I agree with others who are putting this out here on Twitter as well. Seton Hall just primed to win this basketball game. It's just a matter of when. They trailed by two. Creighton hit a bucket as time expired. It was 39-39, and I did feel pretty good about that. But then that bucket comes in, and now you're going to have to see Seton Hall. Even that one basket. Might be a difference maker. We're live, 7.37 left in the first. There's an official TV timeout, and here's West Virginia doing what we thought West Virginia and really Kansas would be doing and playing to a lower-scoring game. It's 2017 West Virginia. Far from over or decided by any means from a final standpoint, but 2017 is a decent sign right now, a decent start right now. NBA, the two games that we couldn't care less about, but they're out there. 23-16, Cleveland leads late in the first. Same time, Orlando up 29-18 against visiting Detroit. Big one starts in a matter of seconds. Indiana taking on a Giannis-less Milwaukee squad, and we took Milwaukee on the money line. We took them even though they were still just over that minus range, and you're still laying a little bit because it's the nature of the money line for this specific game tonight, felt pretty good about it. Portland-Memphis, 8 o'clock, 30 minutes from now. Hopefully you jumped in on that under. Man, this tech, this Kansas-West Virginia game is really going to push this 135. I'm, I'm confident. I'm not giving up hope. I am not giving up faith by any means. We are riding this thing together. I told you we're going to go through this thing. We're going to go through hell and back together. Free throw at that point is just easy money, man. You're putting somebody on the line from Kansas, just adding points to the total. It's 2019 after two free throws by Kansas right now and just getting closer to an uncomfortable number. I'd like for this thing to just play down and, and just take time off the clock. 
And Matt Peralt was right, mind you, on that observation of this game being buried on ESPN+. Plus. And my reasoning here is that clearly Disney and ESPN, they want to push this new streaming service and they want to make it available to as many people out there through opportunity. And in this case, it's the opportunity to watch a game that you can't find on your regular TV cable box or even cord cutters like myself. If you don't have that app, you ain't watching this game. So there is something. I understand the strategy, but I'm with Peralt where this is something that you need to really get out there for a couple of days. We forget things. We overlook things. We gloss over stuff. It's just our society, just how we are as human beings. That's why you hear a commercial and it says something six or seven times in a 30-second spot because they want to make sure that it's ingrained in your brain. And that's just how our brains work. Nothing wrong with that. It's what we do. 23-19. At least it's 6.45 left. We're moving the clock. It's slowly going. But, yeah, it's an injustice right now. It's a disservice to the fans out there of the game that you would have to seek this thing out on ESPN Plus just to watch it. 135. Remember that in the back of your head. Nova Marquette will kick off, tip off technically, sorry, in an hour. Line hasn't moved much at all, so we stay with Marquette at plus five and a half. As that same six point line for Louisville, Georgia Tech. And the big thing that we said earlier in the, in the first hour, in case you missed it with that line, the reason why it's so short is because Louisville last time, or technically Georgia Tech, Played Louisville close last time to a four-point game, Louisville victory. But it was the game after Louisville beat Duke. And it was a letdown for Louisville. Despite them winning the game, it was still a letdown. And now, this ain't a letdown. This is a team that's won a bunch in a row, 10 straight, and comes in now to take on Georgia Tech. And Louisville's hungry. Georgia Tech isn't playing for anything. They're essentially cooked at this point. And Louisville needs to stay alive for some seeding purposes. It's not needing the game, just like Seton Hall doesn't need the game. Auburn doesn't need the game up 31-20 over Alabama right now, 750 in the first. But when you start to get closer to the conference tournament and you're in a solid spot for a 1-2 or 3 seed, where these three teams we just mentioned are, then yeah, it helps. Kansas could get knocked out of that conversation easily with a loss tonight in Morgantown. West Virginia, on the other hand, moves up 25-21. What is going on? This thing's starting to move a little bit. Oh, man. Still, we're in good shape. Waiting for the second half to begin so Seton Hall can start knocking down some shots and Creighton can start falling apart. I wonder if, in fact, the books do catch up. I wonder, and to how many people did they really catch up to? I didn't see much, not to say that I'm some genius and found out some loophole here, but I haven't seen many people talking about it. I haven't seen it really put out there on social media about how easy it was to jump in and take advantage of some of these in-games. 51 total. It's 7-6 to six after the first quarter, and that thing only dropped to 46 points. It only dropped 5 points. Something's not right. Something doesn't add up. That's why you pound that under. Something changed, and I don't know what it is. And if, in fact, the books did catch up, then we need to get wise and find another trick. Because those things are going to come down and really play an issue here. 
especially from a betting standpoint, it's going to be difficult as all hell to try and figure this thing out. And without the betting standpoint, you're, you're lost. I gave you, we built a perfect DFS stack lineup an hour ago. Coming up, Sixers drama, NBA things into the All-Star game that you can bet on, and in fact, a futures pick for our own Philadelphia squad and see if there's still value for them to win the Eastern Conference. Michael Kasky below Maine will join us coming up next. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. Second half about to be underway between Creighton and Seton Hall. Update that as we get closer to the top of the hour here on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Y'all, I'm getting ready to put y'all up on something, man. Yo, when you see something ill, you know what I mean? That's woke. Anything ill you see is woke. Uh-huh. Have me with big six at the club, that's woke. Okay. Especially if it got the fully equipped kid on it, it's woke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I had this bad chick up town, she was woke. Had me messed up in the head, I mean, bought the chick diamonds and pearls. See, the beauty about what we do is we try to incorporate everything going on. It's not just trends, it's not just data, it's not just points per game, it's drama, human issues, dealing with fans, dealing with players, dealing with fans, all that stuff is wrapped up into one play. That's why we laughed as we welcome in Michael Kasky Blomain at the real Mike KB on Twitter, covers the NBA, our Philadelphia 76ers as well here. For CBS Sports, cbssports.com is where you can read them as well. And it was just funny last night, MKB, first and foremost, thank you, sir, for joining the program, to see the Sixers at 24-2 and at the time come in as home dogs. I know the Clippers are the Clippers and the Clippers, but at 24-2 and to come in as home dogs. And then it was almost like the people who set the odds for Joel Embiid's over-under points at 23-and-a-half. And I know there was some foul trouble early, but still. At, it was almost like they were not even in tune with what was going on with him and the fan base here in Philadelphia. Like I couldn't imagine Joel coming out and only scoring 20 points last night and the Sixers losing at home despite it being the Clippers. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree with you. I think, you you know, knowing what went on over the past 36 hours since that Bulls game on Sunday with, you know, the back and forth with Joel and, and the fans on social media and whatnot, I think you could expect, you know, from what we've come to know from Joel, uh, when the stage is set for him to put on a show, uh, you know, especially that game was nationally televised on TNT, uh, when the situation like that presents itself, Joel, you know, more often than not steps up to the plate. Last night was no different. You know, he delivered a, a big game for the Sixers. So I, I definitely agree with you. I think that that line was a little bit low. If anything, if he, he was either going to go really big or really small and finish with like two points, but it was much more likely, obviously, <laughs> that he was going to, you know, ha- have himself a nice game. What can we take away? Because you know how this thing works. And if it's belligerent people on another, another station trying to trade people every day or trying to drive a wedge between fans and say, well, you have to choose between one or the other. What, what, what's the best positive? Let's start there, because too much negative, even after a win, constantly surrounds this team. And I know my industry is a big part of it, but what's the one positive you can take away from that game, MKB? Because it's not like this is the first time they've beaten a really good team at home and then gone back to struggling on the road. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the the main takeaway for me was, uh, you know, the move to to move Al Horford mm. to the bench. I think, you know, that's something that I, me personally, and I think a lot of other people. I don't want to say it was just me. Uh, I think a lot of people have been calling for that. Obviously, it's a you know it's a pretty difficult move to to pull the trigger on after you just you know spent over a hundred million over four years for him over the off season. Obviously, I'm sure that wasn't the what the front office and ownership had envisioned when they you know uh, wrote up that contract, but. For in order to maximize the talent on this team uh, and to let Al, you know, play at his natural position as center for a larger amount of time, and in turn also open things up offensively for, you know, the, your two best players and Ben and Joel by moving Al to the bench and putting another shooter out there, whether it was, you know, Cork Miles in the first half or, or Glenn Robinson in the second half or, or Matisse. Uh, you know, it just opened things up for both of them, and I think you saw the the results of that. Ben had a, a triple double. Joel obviously had the the big game that we were just talking about and you know obviously like you said it was only one game and it was one game at home where they've been dominant so this is something you know we'll need to see continue but i think that if you know if this is something that they do continue to do moving forward meaning bringing al off the bench it could potentially uh you know be kind of a you know an, a unlocking the key to something you know maybe reaching that potential that they had been struggling to reach so far this season is there any value for this team I see a couple of futures, and they're locked right now with Miami and Boston at plus 700. Those three clearly tied. Toronto hovers at plus 850, but it's really Philly, Miami, and Boston as the race for number two behind Milwaukee. Let's start between Philly, Miami, and Boston. How much confidence and value is there with Philly just to separate themselves from those two teams moving forward? I think it's going to be tough for the the rest of the regular season. Uh, you know the, the way the standings are right now. I think they're the Sixers are in five. I think they got a shot to move up to three where the Celtics are now. Um, you know, obviously depending on health and as long as they're able to keep their guys in the lineup. But you know, I think that there's probably a better shot. My, I think the Celtics will probably stay where they're at. I think the best bet would be on the Heat, maybe drop into four, uh, and the Sixers you know, climbing up to, or excuse me, the heat dropping behind the Sixers and, and them climbing up past the heat. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's so there's so tight between those three teams that it's really going to come down to, you know, a game or two in that last week. And at this point, it's pretty, you know, that's pretty tough to project. Michael Kasky, Blomain, joining us, covers the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers, CBS Sports at CBS Sports, cbssports.com. You can follow Mike on Twitter, at TheRealMikeKB. Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, what are the odds here, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Elsewhere, just looking around the NBA, and I know that there's some later action tonight, but two games that I think caught a lot of our eyes that are just, it's early, early in the first quarter for both of these games. But Toronto taking on Brooklyn, let's start there. I think when you win 15 in a row, it's pretty much just now getting into the conversation of, all right, when are they going to lose? When is that next team going to come in and be the one to stop this winning streak? I didn't think it would be Brooklyn tonight, especially since Toronto has handled Brooklyn with or without Kyrie. How did you see that game tonight before it tipped? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Aton. I don't I don't think it's going to be Brooklyn, uh, the team that's going to end this streak. I think it'll continue to 16. The Raptors, you know, just have an answer for everything, especially without Kyrie, like you said, on the floor. There's, you know, there's no area out there where you could, you know, point and say, hey, Brooklyn has an advantage in this area. There's a, you know, that's just not, not the, not the case in this one. So I don't know, uh, what, what was the spread of that, of that game? 
Uh, it started out at four and a half. It's down to three and a half in game just because they're down nine eight. But again, I mean, you're in the first quarter here. But yeah, it was I four would, and a half. Yeah, I, I would say you know I would take Toronto up to you know five six seven. Certainly, I think they will, uh, especially in the second half. Usually, that's when you know the veteran experience that they have starts to you know show when they're, they're able to put uh, you know kind of pull away from some inferior teams. Now, the one thing that I was concerned about, and yes, I have the benefit of hindsight here, but to be fair, we are on tape, so we talked about this in the first hour, was while that 15-game winning streak was not really in jeopardy for Toronto, the winning streak, the undefeated streak without Giannis felt a little shaky. It seemed like it was more something of circumstance than it was an actual trend of like, well, this team just is a powerhouse without Giannis and going into Indiana, who is good defensively, a little concerned about that one tonight. Yeah, I think with good reason. I think the Pacers are are a solid team. Obviously they're, they just got Victor Oladipo back recently. He's, uh, you know, integrating himself back into the lineup. It's at home in Indiana. And I think they're due for kind of, you know, a statement win and the Bucks obviously, um, you know, they're not overlooking any team, but I think the Pacers are the type of team that they can play anyone tight in, in the conference. And, if, you know, if you're able to keep it close in, with the Bucks heading into the fourth quarter without Giannis there to, you know, be that difference maker down the stretch, I think the Pacers, uh, especially in, in Indiana, have a chance to, you know, uh, get, get, get a nice win for themselves. Two tough ones to kind of call tonight. So we turn to you and your expertise, sir. Let's start with the Heat and Jazz. We talked about Miami earlier in regards to the Sixers and the Celtics. They're getting four and a half on the road. Utah is just a tough team to call. It's like, I don't doubt that the Jazz will win this game tonight, Michael, but I feel like at some point they'll be down like eight or 12 points and have to claw back. Yeah, absolutely. This will certainly be a a defensive battle between these two teams, uh, neither of which have been playing great, uh, you know, recently. I think they're, yeah, the Jazz and the Heat are both five and five over their past 10 games. Uh, you know, so they've been playing just 500 ball over the past several weeks. Uh, I, I think Utah is a little bit deeper, uh, than Miami is, and especially considering where, you know, the game being in, uh, in Utah, I think that gives them a little, a little bit of an edge. But you know, that's the type of game that you probably look at betting the under because you, you'd expect to see a, uh, you know, a lot of defense being played. Good call on that. Last one for you, my friend. Lakers Nuggets, the late one tonight, just after ten o'clock here on the East Coast. It's a tough place to play, and it's not like the crowd or the talent or anything like that. But this was my theory. So you tell me if I'm if I'm off, if I'm crazy, or maybe there's something to it. But you're heading into the All Star break. You've got a bunch of veterans, including LeBron. They know the value of this stretch of this break, and it's not like you're going into Orlando or DC or even across the country. You do have to deal with that altitude, and I wonder if just human nature kicks in at some point in this game, and it's like, look, man, I got a week off. I I don't. Need Need to keep pushing up here, uh, up in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, that's that's a definite possibility. I would probably take the Nuggets in this one. They've been playing uh, a little bit better than the Lakers recently. They're you know eight and two over their last ten. They've won four straight. They're home dogs uh, here. Really? What's yeah. The, what are, that's what, the what I mean. Say? Like that's what I'm saying. Denver is is getting three at home, and they're plus one thirty on the money line. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm leaning Denver that way. Jokic is finally starting to round into shape. Literally, he, he <laughs> looks like uh, you know he, he looks a lot better than he did at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, they, they have a lot of weapons. They just added a couple at the trade deadline, and uh, like you said, the Lakers have been playing great all season. 
Uh, LeBron obviously has a lot of things going on with All-Star Weekend. Same with Anthony Davis. Those guys might be, you know, not that LeBron would let himself get ahead of himself, but like you said, this natural, uh, you know, natural fatigue of the season setting in. So I, I like the Nuggets in that one. I certainly don't think it would be an upset if they, uh, you know, if they walked away with a win and covered that spread. Michael Kasky Blomain at the real Mike KB, CBS Sports, CBSSports.com is where you can read them. Make sure you follow this man on Twitter. Appreciate your time as always, sir. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. Joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Right now we're in the second half. This thing is knotted. It's been like this nonstop. It's a slugfest right now where neither team can truly get away. Creighton just gets a, a layup, an easy layup, but still, that only puts them up by two, and Seton Hall is answered. They've either tied the game, they've taken the lead. This thing is going to go down to it. Even if you get a little bit of an edge, we've seen the pacing and the tempo of this game. A couple of fouls called as well, and Seton Hall is all over the offensive glass, and that's been a huge element of it. Appreciate you riding with me at Shander Show. We're back on a Monday, and you're damn right we're going to go over as much XFL as humanly possible. It's Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance at Shander Show. So you follow me on.